You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 358, brought to you by Apple Music, Audible, and actionfigureblues.com. I'm Ben, and with me tonight are... Scott. And Eddie. Tonight, our toys of the week are the DC Collectibles Batman animated series Batman and Bat Cycle, the Sideshow Collectibles Rogue Marquette, and the NECA San Diego Comic Con 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Set 2. Greetings, gentlemen. A pleasure to be back with you again tonight. How are we? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I like that. I, I don't know which one I'm more enthused to hear about, uh, Eddie's thespian adventures or uh, Scott's, um, yeah, uh, f- flooding ad- adventures. Um, yeah. Scotty, have you dried out? We have dried out. We're still uh, waiting for the uh, insurance assessors to say what's going to be replaced for people that don't know what we're talking about. My One of my beloved 16-year-olds uh, flooded two-thirds of our house by running a bath, and then instead of having a little nap while the bath filled, falling asleep for seven hours. Um, yes, yes. So the, the uh, what do they call them? The disaster recovery people or the magic men that came to extract water from my house did a great job and everything's dry and uh, there's no structural damage, but we've got like wooden laminate floors through a lot of the house that, that they, you know, that you wouldn't know that anything had happened if you looked at it now, but you can, they are kind of warped. And so they will have to replace them and it's just going to be a giant pain. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, we, everything's back to normal except for my poor dismantled uh, display. Cause I, took the opportunity of having to take all of my Billy bookcases um, that I was displaying statues on. I all had to come off a wall. And so Mm. I uh, have packed up that stuff, sold the bookcases um, because I really need to replace them with something that is more premium format friendly. Um, But it's kind of, now I have to wait until, they decide whether they're replaced. Well, I think even if the insurance doesn't replace the carpet in here, we're going to because we don't like it. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so it's just kind of a waiting, a waiting game now. But things are back to normal, and uh, everyone in the family still uh, loves everyone. And the child <laughs> of the over- overflowing bath is now. Um, we just hose her off in the uh, night <laughs> outside. Yeah, Excellent. no, no more Excellent. Inso- inside bathing for her. <laughs> Ah, uh, it's uh, it's nice to know there was a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, you know, the 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 the, the laughter, you know, it's the, after ten minutes of non laughing, you know, that there, there was laughter. So that's, <laughs> like, you know, that, that's uh, a pretty pretty good metric, I reckon. Oh, that's very good. Pretty very good. It's just stuff, you know. Yeah. Stuff. Well. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Mister Eddie? You uh, keeping extremely busy at the moment. Yes, I uh, have not had a couple of seconds to swing some cats around. Uh, I think it is a horrible. Gosh, that must be so hard for you. <laughs> yeah. How, how, um, how do you I remember that as a expression as a kid, but I don't particularly uh, know what I think. Uh, but yes, I it was related I, to space. I didn't realize I'm pretty it was related sure, yeah. to you know relaxing. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I decided to chill today and swing a cat around. <laughs> 
take the time to see how much space you've got. Like that's something you do when you're bored is you start to well, measure that, out of room. That is that is true. I mean, the yeah. uh, not enough space to swing a cat implies that some sort of measurement has taken place. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got to find a cat. you got to find a room. It. And it really depends on the cat. into the room. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, wouldn't it be a bummer if you finally got a chance to do it and the only cat that was available was Omar the Maine Coon, Australia's biggest cat. Um, yes. Yeah. Who's own, owned by a friend of mine and he is enormous. Uh, that would be a real bummer. You'd have to have a very big room to swing him around and he'd probably kill you. You keep dropping all these weird hints into the world of cat celebrity <laughs> and I feel like there's there's like a secret Scotty podcast or something at the moment where. What are you talking about? When have I ever. Uh, the only cat celebrity like, I know is. is Omar the Maine Coon. You were devastated by Grumpy Cat's passing. That's not name-dropping when you say that someone died. (laughs) Oh, Oh, this person died. Oh, you're such a name-dropper. Yeah. (laughs) Am I going to have to separate you two? Am I going to have to record this in two halves? No, we just need to separate (laughs) um, Eddie from excessive use of the English language. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, As you can tell, I'm a bit... uh, tired burning the candles up <laughs> them. Uh, but it's, it's good it's all coming along good we're um entering our third week of rehearsals and uh this is uh something only uh people have done sort of theater shows will kind of get but we're actually ahead of schedule uh which is really scary i believe that you never happens yeah what are you talking about uh it's it's a bit like when you're betting on a horse race and your horse is out front right from the opening of the gate. And you're like, oh, it's exciting for the moment, but uh, it's so uncommon uh, that it's a bit scary. So when the dress rehearsal uh, goes really well, that's when you know you're in trouble. Yeah, and our mm. set is ready like three weeks beforehand, <laughs> and everything's all in and and dust. Yeah, it's all all that sort of fun. But uh, I, I'm enjoying it being good. Uh, while it's all super good and uh, super talented cast. But the most exciting thing for me is something that I've never done before that I did this time was I choreographed a dance number. Uh, so that's a new <laughs> tick off the box for me. I did have help from two fantastic choreographers uh, that were able to translate me going, I want people to move over here and then that this beat, these people move back here and then... <laughs> To come forwards and they're like, okay, yep, step, step, um, and cross through and told the dancers. And they did it. And it was like, yes, that's what I pictured in my head. That's great. So, yeah. I love it. Good work. Good work. (laughs) And what about you, Mr. Ben? How have you been? Uh, Not too bad at all, actually. I finished up my project at work, so I've moved on to another project in a completely different area with a brand new team, half of which I've worked with before. So that was actually really good. But um, complete change of pace for me which is just awesome like it's um much more relaxed um part of the project was already established um so yeah it's actually quite nice being able to have lunch at lunchtime and um that kind of thing so you get in in the morning people say hello and how are you and instead of you know fighting fires immediately and uh (laughs) that sort of thing so i feel like weight's been lifted really a bit of a i don't know bit of a bit refreshed and you know rearing to go so so did your other project actually finish or did you leave before it was done 
<laughs> no, it's finished. I, I, I wasn't oh. fired or, you know, anything. Oh, no, like no. That, well, just, so. <laughs> you know, often, often the project managers, you know, it's like when, when things are kind of nearing to an end, they're like, you know, jumping to the next thing before, for, yeah. you know, before, and it's like, so who actually finishes this? Oh, yeah, no, we didn't really finish it. We just, you know, yeah. 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 We we do do a type of a handover to sort of like the next team, but yeah, the, yeah, yeah, most of the work was done. So, so it's been good, and I mean, yeah, my job affords me the luxury of being able to work from home a couple of days a week, um, mm-hmm. which I, I really enjoy. Like I'm I'm not a people person, never have been. Um, so I really enjoy being at this home. Is the podcast my- would be totally shocked by that. I know it's crazy, really, <laughs> but really, you know, I get to so hang out with my. I hang out with my dog at home. Um, yep. Yeah, it's it's good. I, I quite enjoy. It. I mean, I also, you know, I think I'm in that phase of life where I don't even enjoy driving anymore. No, nope. like I just it's it's yep. a chore. Um, you know, you're going to get into, into the morning traffic the and time in a long time because I have been doing a lot of work from home because my team's all remote anyway. But I had to drive in today, and I was like, this is intolerable. <laughs> but yesterday, I'd been I yesterday. I was like, I really need to have a day of human interaction because I just had an argument with the cat. Yeah. I mean, the other reason is, you know, obviously there's the fighting of, you know, the morning traffic and all that. And, and where I live, it's not that big a deal, but we have a car park that's effectively attached to our building. Um, but recently they opened it up to anybody and oh. someone decided to build uh, an apartment block pretty much next door. So unless you're in at, you know, the crack of Sparrow's Fart, you don't get a car park. And so there's a backup car park that you kind of use, you know, that some people have to use if they're getting quite late, you know, that sort of thing. That's full as well. So I'm now at like, you know, oh, oh, my God, I actually have to find another car park. I've never had to do this ever. And so I'm in this car park that's, you know, like a good sort of 10, 15-minute walk um, from my building, which would normally be fine, I, you know, Good I'm grief. not adverse to a bit of a stroll, but having kids that you have to pick up and get to soccer training and things can make it quite hard when you're trying to pack up at the end of the day and one of your team's asking you questions and it's like, I really have to go because I've got like a 12-minute hike to the car and then I have to, you know. <laughs> so the idea of being at home and my, my kid's school is about 700 metres down the road. Um, and so I can work, you know, right up until the 11th hour and just walk out to the car and it's just down the road. So, so yeah, working from home is, is awesome. Um, I really enjoy it. So yeah, yeah. Just enjoying, uh, you know, new perspective on things. It's pretty cool. So good. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. But we are here to talk about toys. We're going to talk about three very different uh, things. I'm actually quite looking forward to this. It's uh, looking at the lineup. So, yeah, we're going to uh, take a bit. Yeah. I was going to say, speaking of uh, toys, because we had acquisitions. a acquisitions. Yeah. Oh, hello. Yeah, I've got a very important acquisition to discuss. So I'm glad we didn't skip this. Oh, yeah. yes, yeah. Eddie. Uh, so, in, in terms of me, I've just been getting besieged with Marvel Legends because for mm-hmm. some reason Hasbro was like, Oh yeah, there's a 80th anniversary line, and we're just going to release <laughs> it all on the same day, yeah. uh, and through multiple. So I'm slowly making my way uh, through that. I uh, just got in the Hulk and first appearance Wolverine, uh, the Iron Spider, and Iron Man uh, from Infinity War, which might be 
my least favorite Marvel Legends set of the last couple of years. Uh, it's that one's a kind of not really recommend unless you didn't pick up the figures previously or want a couple of little accessories. Easy. Uh, yeah, I I managed to find uh, part of the fourth wave of Transformer Siege, uh, which was nice. But uh, what's had me excited Toy Week was. Uh, I would almost argue that PowerCon had better reveals than San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. Thundercats, baby. Yeah, we've got uh, Thundercats Ultimates where uh, they only showed off figures that we'd already had with new accessories, but uh, they announced there's at least 14 Thundercats figures in the works coming from Super 7. Uh, So every three months they're going to do sort of a drop of uh, four different ones. Uh, to come through, they're doing figures based on the Playmates Ninja Turtles uh, line, which uh, definitely gets me excited because that was really my gateway into ner- Ninja Turtles was the uh, 80s uh, toy figures, and I just grew up playing with those. That was really where my passion of action figures came from was that uh, toy line, so I'm excited for that. And then we have the movie Conan figures. Uh, which is fantastic because that was one of the things when they got the Conan license that people were constantly uh, saying is, oh, do you have the rights to this? And apparently they do. And, yeah, just a whole bunch of cool stuff dropping there. So uh, very exciting to see. Yeah. Super cool. What about you, Mr. Scotty? Anything new Uh, and exciting? Yes, I also have uh, been avalanching marvel legends i haven't like i mentioned i haven't been uh in the office for a while and my post office box is near my office so i haven't picked anything up for a while so uh the lovely girls that uh run the parcel desk at my post office were super happy to see me today um (laughs) they i have i have you know once previously done this and finally had a call saying please come help no room. <laughs> yes. Start charging you rent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but I, yeah, I've got the Wolverine and Hulk for Iron Man. I have Juggernaut and Colossus on the way. I got my um, Hulk Build-A-Figure uh, wave one. I just got the whole wave because I wanted I don't, don't really want the MCU figures because I kind of wanted rescue. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, I haven't even opened them yet, so we'll see. Um, I also recently picked up the Artist Alley uh, Chrissy Zullo figures, the Wonder Woman, Supergirl, Batgirl, and Hot Girl. And they were nearly my review for tonight, but I didn't leave enough time to photograph them all, which is why I chose a single item. Um, but I'm looking forward to them. However, uh, the most exciting thing that I got last week, uh, as as people might know, I'm a bit of a fan of Ursula from um, The Little Mermaid, <laughs> and it's the 30th anniversary of The Little Mermaid, and so I may have gone a little bit Ursula crazy. I have to put a photo together of all my Ursula merch, including the 10-inch pop vinyl i've never owned one of these before they're just enormous Mm -hmm. but she is amazing i'm not i'm not gonna dedicate a review to her but i will definitely put some photos up because she is uh as big as my head it's amazing i'm so excited (laughs) um yeah that's very cool super cool super cool um yeah and it's it's yeah it's really um 
they've just done an awesome job. They've done an awesome job. It's really um, cool. Else, oh, the other thing too, which I do really have to review, is I got I just walked into my local toy world, and lo and behold, there was a Mego end cap, and like yeah. what the heck, and as well as um the what are they seven inch figures or eight inch figures? What are the the um, a whole bunch of them. They had the 14 inch DC figures, and I got Aquaman and Black Manta. Um, and they're kind of ridiculous, but also really cool. So, um, yeah. So, but I like, I have been that busy. I have not had time to, uh, open any of this stuff. And partly that's why one reason why I was like, yes, I'll, I'll record tonight because that means I'll finally <laughs> open something. <laughs> and then I got Good the um, then I got the uh, DC collectibles Batman animated Batman and Bat Cycle, which is what I'm going to review. And what about Far you, around. Ben? What have you been acquisitionarizing? Yeah, I realized uh, through various uh, you know nef- nefarious interruptions, um, I haven't been on the last few shows, and I think my last one was the San Diego one where. We didn't really cover acquisitions, but I, I don't know, I, I kind of, I'm in this really kind of ambivalent phase with collecting where I'm really getting jack of trying to keep up with what's an exclusive and what's not, particularly oh, okay. like Star Wars Black Eddie, and I sort of chatted oh. about this, and it's just like, oh, which one's that again? And like, is that a Walmart or is that Walgreens? I can't, oh, so, so who's the... Who's going to have that? Who can I pre-order that with? And like, I just, I get really jack of trying to, to keep up and it's not and it's not the um the ocd me wanting to get everything because most of these figures are actually really awesome like the veers that they came out with from walgreens was a beautiful figure um but just trying to keep up and so all this hasbro uh, marvel legends 80th anniversary stuff the the two packs in particular i actually just got so jack of the idea of trying to work out what's going where that I just got on, you know, one of the particular e-tailers that I know will stop them regardless of whether they're Walgreens or otherwise. And I just got them yeah, all yeah, in yeah. one go. I just chucked everything in the cart, spent a fortune and thought, I just don't care. And, and it was great opening the box and, you know, this ton of loot falling out. But How many uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon cards? Oh, you, you got a complete six. set now? Oh, I got six <laughs> packs, six <laughs> packs of those. Um, and immediately gave them to one of my girls and, uh, yeah, she was quite chuffed at that. I've so, got a whole drawer full of them and I just give them out when I'm going somewhere where I know there's young kids yeah. into Transformers or... <laughs> Uh, I've got a dad who often travels over to Bali and, you know, yeah. they have the kids on the beach there and he'll take, um, handfuls. I'll give them to him, um, before he flies off to give to the kids out there. And- That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've been a bit like that. And the same thing happened with, um, the Wendigo series and also the, the last series of Star Wars Black, the one that actually had, um, Afra, BT and triple zero, et cetera. Um, I just, I just jumped on, pre-ordered them. I thought, I can't be bothered, you know, trying to track them down. I'll just get them all in one go. Um, and, I mean, you know, look, it's exciting when they arrive and, you know, you realise how much you, you do enjoy the collecting. But the 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 acquiring is is just sort of taking its toll a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll also explain why, you know, I'm, I'm sort of of that, you know, general feeling at the moment when I get to my toy of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit later in the show, uh, but um, yeah. Oh, and the other thing I, I picked up is um, 
I went to uh, one of the sort of the last secondhand bookshops in my city, and for some reason, he's getting uh, extraordinary amounts of comic-related stuff, a lot of trade paperbacks and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually been finding books that I didn't actually know existed about uh, comic creators and things like that. So I picked up one on Jerry Robinson, who, of course, created The Joker. Um, but he's been getting in a lot of those um, really nice IDW, the big hard covers that reprint a lot of the the Golden Age material, Ooh, um, yeah. like um, oh, what did I pick up? Terry and the Pirates um, and things like that. So um, and he, he he does them for a, a good price too. And I've asked him to put some away, and he was really excited at the idea of me putting them away um, and coming back and and sort of. You know, picking them up one or two at a time, and he's because uh, he said the longer they sit in the shop, the more damaged they get. He said a lot of people handle them and, and put them down, and then the, the dust jackets get damaged. And he said, "I'm really excited that they're going to someone who's going to appreciate them." So, yeah, that's been uh, that's been a lot of fun. I take my oldest one, and she heads off to the kids section, and they've got one of those great big, like, uh, almost like those '60s. Um, bubble chairs it just it looks like a giant ball it's got a hole in one side and you know while i'll um peruse the shelves she just goes and jumps in there with a book and and has a good read and and then picks a few to uh, to buy as well so yeah and, and enjoying life at the moment it's all good you know if you're after a good uh book about comic history uh, i will recommend on our uh sponsors website audible uh, Slugfest, which is the story behind the rivalry of Marvel and DC. Uh, oh, and it's a great, com- really good companion piece to uh, the untold history of Marvel. Uh, ah, sort of okay. yep. follows similar timelines, but also talks about what sort of DC uh, was doing uh, in those periods. So uh, they, they really go well as companion pieces. I shall look into that one. All right. We do have some great stuff coming up, so we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and kick things off with our first Toy of the Week. If you like listening to podcasts, then there's a good chance you'd enjoy audiobooks as well. To make it easy for you, our sponsor, Audible, is offering our listeners a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial when you go to audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. A book I'd like to recommend is X heroes by author Peter Kleins. X-Heroes is the first book in a series about a group of superheroes trying to survive and protect what's left of humanity in the wake of a zombie apocalypse. It's a genre-bending story that has something for fans of comic books, superhero films, and the whole zombie phenomenon. To get your copy of X-Heroes for free and start your 30-day trial, or find another book to start your Audible journey, go to audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. Well, now it's time for one of our feature segments, Toy of the Week. Now, each episode, we take turns looking at a toy or collectible in detail, and it might be a new release or it might be something bizarre or a long-term favourite from our collection. And, uh, Scotty, you're taking uh, taking us back to the Batman animated line. I am. It's the line that keeps on giving from DC Collectibles. This is the six-inch line, and as well as a plethora of figures, we've had a number of different vehicles, playsets, etc. The if the giant Batmobile, uh, huge Batcave, uh, etc., don't kind of suit your budget or your display space, then the Batman on Batcycle might be a bit more your speed 
see what I did there. Oh, oh nice. Nice. It took I a second know. to register, but yeah, very yep, good. Yep. Excellent. So, uh, you know that you have really found a great local comic shop when you forget to ask for something and they set it aside for you anyway. <laughs> um, and, uh, Th- thank you, uh, lovely secret headquarters uh, here in Beaconsfield, near where I live in Victoria, for knowing that I would want this and setting one aside for me and making me very happy. Uh, the the This line is just so great. And one of the things that I think is quite remarkable about it is that DC Collectibles tends to have the attention span of a gnat when it comes to action figure lines and you know kick stuff off promises the world and then delivers eight or 12 figures if you're lucky and uh obviously it's a sign of the popularity of the franchise and the line that we uh have seen such a well-rounded uh you know set of characters from both versions of the series as well as these sets and now they're going into expanded universe mode with characters that didn't appear in the series, but in that style, it's very cool. Uh, but th- this is quite fun. You know, I, I own, I don't own the Batcave um, cause I just couldn't justify the, the, uh, the space. Uh, it was actually just on sale at Zing for 99 bucks. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I actually put it in my cart. And then when I saw that I could not, pick it up that I would have to pay for it to be shipped and it tipped over a hundred dollars. I was just like, just just can't do it. Mm. (laughs) I did did the exact same thing. I did. Isn't that psychology? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny, isn't it? And now of course it's sold out. So I said to the guys at secret headquarters, you know, I'm going to play the really smart long game world. I'll wait until uh, it's, you know, like double the price on the secondary market and then decide I have to have it. So I'm sure that, that's yes. roll. roll. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, this uh, has had the, the, the uh, blah, 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 boxes and packaging. That's the verb. Uh, oh, my God. Ah! <laughs> Why can't I speak? <laughs> she sells seashells <laughs> on the seashore. All right. Uh, I might count my shit fest. Um, here we go. In five, four, three. Packaging-wise, this line has been pretty consistent. I reviewed the latest single-figure releases a few episodes ago and did lament that uh, the character stands um, with the character designs on them uh, have kind of been cut from the uh, the equation, but the box sets have retained very consistent uh, packaging, uh, and it is collector friendly. So that is a good thing if you want to put this back in the box. In terms of what this comes with, uh, there are two head two head sculpts for the Batman figure, and I'll talk about the figure and then the vehicle and the playset. Uh, separately, uh, and then the uh, actual bat cycle and a base and light up features. Very exciting. The figure itself, you you would kind of think in a, a box set. Oh yeah, just throw in another uh, Batman and uh, add the the bat cycle to it. But there's actually, I love this figure for two reasons. One is the the head sculpt with his 
you know, bat cycle helmet, etc. that is uh, really cool. The head sculpts are hardly different. One is kind of showing some like gritted teeth and the other one has a closed mouth. So it's a little bit of a, you know, why bother? But I suppose if you lose one, you've got a backup head. That's always handy, right? Uh, the mm. But the other thing that is really fantastic about this figure is the cape. Uh, the capes for these to this point have mostly been plastic and pretty weighty. This one is a fabric uh, cape with blue on the inside, black on the outside, and then uh, some wire or some sort of uh, strap that allows you to position the cape in a number – to pose the cape, essentially. It is better than any posing cape that I have uh, had the pleasure or displeasure of having to pose – Often, cool. you know, with the Mezco ones, you know, as an example, you see the really groovy poses in the promo shots, and then yours, mine always <laughs> ends up looking like a second grade yes. craft disaster, right? Like, and I'm just like, just can't do it. Um, but this is, it's really easy. It's got real strength to it. So, uh, the kind of flying cape poses that you would want when your Batman is cycling are all very achievable. So, it's a really lovely sculpt. Uh, he's got a bit of a more pronounced ab crunch than the standard figures, but he needs that in order to be able to bend appropriately to mount the cycle. And uh, it's not obviously super noticeable when you are, uh, when he's riding the blue lining on the inside of the Cape is just a fantastic touch. And he's got, all the standard points of articulation. I believe it's 27 that the, the standard figures do. Cool. Onto the uh, bat cycle itself. Now the, the bat cycle, it's super accurate to the animated series and it is a fairly uh, streamlined cycle with not, you know, not a lot of uh, detail, but that is true to the, um, the series uh, itself. There, the wheels. Interestingly, the wheels rotate so that you can the um, pose this in a few different ways. Uh, so, but they don't. The back wheel spins, um, but the front wheel doesn't spin. The front. Oh, sorry. The front wheel does have a an under under wheel that does spin, um, and then a cover on the top that's got the little accents on it. So it does, if you wanted to actually room, room it on the table, uh, you can, but uh, it does also stand up um, pretty decently on its own without the base because it's of the, uh, the accents on the, the backside of each wheel. The figure sits pretty comfortably on this. The thing that I found really challenging was actually getting him to properly grip the handles. There's not a lot of room to squeeze his hands in there, and it took a lot of maneuvering to actually get him attached. And I kind of feel like, right, that you're, you're staying there for life now. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was too hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I hope you like riding that cycle, buddy. Um, <laughs> but you know, there, there's little foot stands, which it all works and doesn't take 
if if the handwritten issue, I would say it was really easy to actually get him into a good looking position. The head's got a really nice tilt up to it, so even though he is bending forward, you can um, he really position him easily so that he's looking out and not down. And you know, I hate having to spend lots of time trying to pose these guys, and I did not find it difficult. Besides the Handle grasping. The other really cool thing about the cycle is the light up features. It does come with batteries, a little plastic strip that you pull out to activate them. And there's actually four different light up points on it. There are the headlights, which is just like the white light. There's the tail light, which is red. Uh, and then on the console of the bat cycle, the like speedometer, etc., lights up greenishly, and then there's another. There's a little blue display light as well. So, uh, at the the uh, kind of annoyingly, the switch is on the bottom of the bat cycle, so you can't kind of just turn the lights on when he's sitting on the base. Mm. You've got to pick it up and turn him yeah. over to do that. But still, that is it's pretty cool. I hadn't actually taken in that that was a thing with this, so that was kind of a nice surprise and the other thing that is a really nice surprise is the base now this some instructions or pictures would have been helpful because i was looking at this thing and the base has got a um like a, a either a water splash or just like you know speed sp speeding off um oh my gosh what do you call this that, that has yeah, to be actual like equivalent of like speed lines in the old comics yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that you can kind of see him taking off. And it actually comes out of the base and fits back in. And I, for the life of me, and it's on a little um, axis so that you can rotate it slightly uh, to allow kind of different positioning of the bike. And I was like, oh, that's cool. It's still probably a little bit over-engineered to do that. And it was only actually when I then read a review uh, of this that, I realized that, oh, it's actually a reversible base because there's a plain side that's kind of more of like a display-ish type um, base with a with some beveling around it. But then if you flip it over, it's a flat base with uh, a manhole cover, and you can uh, have the little splash going either way. So I was like, oh, that's actually do you think that <clears throat> that if it's got the two sides, the manhole type one is, you know, like a standalone street, um, street scene kind of thing, but then the other side, could it possibly match the texture slash styling of the Batcave? That is totally possible. Mm. That is totally possible. I mean, it does kind of look like it's uh, matching something, but I don't have the Batcave to compare. Yeah, um, that would be cool. And tell us that would be really cool. I, you know, it, it, at first I was kind of surprised by the weight of the box, and I hadn't really, um, you know, paid a lot of attention to what was included in this, other than it, it was coming. And so, but when you kind of take it apart and realize, oh, this actually there's a a decent amount of thought put into this, you know, for uh display and it makes it a bit kind of nicer looking gives it some uh form um look i i really do not have anything to complain about uh, here i think that the um the the it, there are stylistic things about these figures that either you like or you don't like the really visible pins 
on the the joints and the way that these leg joints are constructed you you got to take or leave because that's what the whole line is like um they they are uh i think necessary from an engineering point of view because of the Bruce Tim uh really wide torso and skinny legs thing that they just wouldn't be able to stand up otherwise if they didn't have that yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of you know um degree of of movement um but it, it if you were nitpicking that could look a little bit messy and i know it's kind of you know one of the main objections to the design of these uh, features um the what I really love about this is that I think between the cape, the posability, and then the the base, you really can create a sense of motion. It, it you can uh, it look very dynamic and something that you would actually kind of leave out on display, even if you didn't display anything else here. Like I can see this kind of sitting around um, my desk because it's just really yeah, yeah. groovy and great fun. I, I think it's really clever that they've given you know people who mightn't have space or budget for a bigger vehicle or playset, something that is more budget and space friendly. Uh, this was around $80 Australian. I think it's about $60 US. Um, your mileage may vary. Uh, but I, I just can't um, – find anything to complain about it so i am going to give this ten dollars excellent mm, excellent nice. I, I like the fact that they're maintaining the momentum with this series it's actually really cool really cool i i continue to sort of hold them in my hands at my local comic shop and and i just know that the, there's a very slippery slope nearby so i, I haven't taken the plunge yet so i shall continue to vicariously live through you <laughs> yeah. so yeah outstanding i'm holding out hope for the the justice league unlimited versions i mean that's a i think it's probably a harder yeah. sell because there's a lot of obscure characters in that, and I, I don't know that, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that it's actually as sellable as this. Um, but I'd buy the crap out. I, I, <laughs> I would hope that at least the main seven should be doable. And I think the that Justice they weren't Lincoln. they actually doing them as part of like the DC. Un- yeah, un- that was the announcement, but that DC app looks like it's going away. Uh, now, so potentially that frees them up to be used in other, because that was the like grand idea behind that app was it was going to be, you know, your entertainment center where you could do this and, uh, buy all these books and do all sorts of stuff. And it just didn't really end up working out uh, that well. So now it's being merged in with that HBO max service that they're bringing out in the States and all this, like we can't even get uh, either of those here in Australia. So we're just going off um, news that we hear from across the pond here. Um, So take this all with a grain of salt, but uh, yeah, it seems to have kind of gone. So that could free up the toys to come out, you know, as uh, a box set or something maybe down the line. It'd be great to think that if they were to step into the Justice League Unlimited space and going beyond the big seven, that, you know, there's a bit of momentum with people like Hawk and Dove, um, thanks to their exposure on Titans. 
um, and, and even, I guess, the Doom Patrol to a certain extent. It would be great if, you know, they could leverage that and at least, you know, choose, you know, some of the B-listers that um, many of us like, you know, outside of the big seven. So, yeah. Well, the hoping- next step, they're doing the um- – the Paul Dini like imagined characters, so like Red Hood and Deathstroke and mm, sort mm. of people that never appeared in the animated form, but coming out yeah. in those ones. But they do seem to be all Batman uh, heavy related. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> awesome. Awesome. Very nice, Mr. Scotty. All right. Pleasure. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with uh, our second Toy of the Week. Beware, the mutants seeking Sentinel. Target identified. Mutants apprehended. Want to mix it up, big boy? My adamantine claws will get rolled back. I've always had trouble with man. My optic blast will give him trouble. Firing projectile arm. Now, Sentinel, you will be defeated. Sentinel robot playset and X-Men action figures. Each sold separately. Well, Ben has uh, something to review and I think it's going to be really interesting because is the love of this character going to outweigh the rage I feel is coming about the uh, price? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, you know me too well. Too well. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, Well, you know, if you listen to... (laughs) Sit back, make a cup of tea and uh, strap yourself in. Uh, you've probably heard uh, Scott and I uh, talk at length about um, some of the choices that Sideshow makes and uh, in particular certain characters that we would have assumed would be made in their quarter-scale premium format line by now and and haven't. Um, So, you know, when, as a company, when you have produced uh, a whole line of statues featuring uh, certain characters uh, and, you you know, you get to a point where you can stand back and, you know, look at the 20 characters you've done from the X-Men uh, and uh, what do you do? Do you do you then start to pick uh, some new characters, Omega Red, Mr. Sinister, Nightcrawler, Iceman? No, no, no. You basically just start again with all exactly the same characters that you've already done. Um, so a bit, bit of a perplexing one there. Um, really odd that Sideshow took a sudden left turn uh, and decided to basically start uh, I guess soliciting statues of characters that they have done. Um, you know, we obviously know that it's the the Wolverines of the world that uh, that sell. So there's no surprise there when we get a new Wolverine statue. But um, hot on the heels of that, uh, strangely, we got um, new versions of people like Emma Frost, Mystique, Psylocke, uh, and of course Rogue. Um, very, very odd, given that some of these characters are, are getting multiple statues when others haven't had one. Um, so I'm not quite sure what's going on. Um, one of the things that Sideshow has done with this new line is uh, step out of their comfort zone a little bit. So the standard museum pose, one leg up, um, you know, to a certain extent is still around, but um, they've obviously tried to uh, step up that, I guess, you know, that art direction with something a, a little bit different. So they're not just repeating themselves. Uh, and I, uh, given the price of many of the premium formats, um, I didn't feel any need to go and update, um, many of the ones in my collection. So I'm not getting the new Emma Frost, not getting the new Psylocke, um, or anything like that. But of course, then they solicited Rogue. Uh, and as folks probably know, um, she's my number one gal and hey, it's Rogue. Uh, so... 
Uh, I was really quite impressed uh, at the art direction of this piece um, when we got uh, an initial um, sneak peek, I guess, at the statue. We didn't know exactly um, what she was doing. And so when the final reveal came out, it, um, it blew a lot of people away. Um, it, it's an extremely impressive piece, particularly from Sideshow. They've absolutely stepped out of their comfort zone and gone with something quite dramatic. Um, and it's, it's really quite amazing, uh, which I'll, I'll sort of get to shortly. Um, but the thing is, this was solicited as a Marquette. Now, what's the difference between a Marquette and a, a premium format, you might ask? Well, nobody seems to know. Uh, <laughs> many people have uh, speculated. For, uh, for some bizarre reason, Sideshow refused to clarify. Um, they've been asked point blank on any number of forums and uh, they just won't answer. Um, many people seem to think that the market requires a lot more effort, um, particularly either in the amount of detail it goes into it or the actual construction of the piece is more complicated. Um, but we really don't know. Uh, oddly enough, too, the markets are still quarter scale. So uh, she fits in beautifully with um, you know any existing premium formats that you might have. Now, uh, subsequently, Marquettes uh, also seem to be an excuse to uh, put up the uh, suggested retail price. So, um, you know, I can remember when Scotty and I were getting premium formats, and you know they were three hundred and ninety nine US dollars. I remember the first ones to creep over four hundred, then they went to sort of four fifty, and then four ninety five, and you started to sort of go, hmm. Um, this one has a suggested retail price of 715 US dollars. Um, now, you do get a lot of statue for that. Uh, and obviously, I'll, I'll talk about the piece and, and see if I can you know, justify um, yeah. that suggested retail price. Um, but, you know, it's we're at a, a point in time now where the prices are starting to, to creep up. Um, the production of these pieces is getting better and better, so they're doing more amazing things. They're putting in a lot more detail, which requires more detailed sculpts. Uh, but really, you know, $715 is a lot of money. So um, I guess I kind of got, um, you know, rose-coloured glasses, took the opportunity to do um, uh, Sideshow's Flex Pay, where you, you pay in eight instalments. However, uh, things have changed. Um, the first thing that has changed is um, the Australian government introduced G GST on uh, all imports. Um, and what has I been thought you were going to say GI Joe then. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you know maybe they could uh, they could save me. Um, what has been around for a long time, and this is something that Scotty and I have never had to worry about, is um, we do actually have import duty uh, to be paid on goods coming into Australia, but only for things that are valued uh, at a thousand Australian dollars or more. So that's about six hundred and seventy US dollars. Now, in the past, um, when statues were cheaper, when shipping was cheaper, and the dollar, the exchange rate with the American dollar was much better, we didn't have to. We didn't come even close to that. You know, a premium format would cost you six hundred Australian, so about, you know, like I don't know, four or five hundred US when the the exchange rate was better. So um, I was uh, was not amused in the slightest when I got um, my shipping notice for this piece, uh, and Sideshow made a very clever decision to actually ship their international um, pieces directly from Hong Kong. Everything used to go from Hong Kong to America, and then from America they would ship out their international pieces. And it was like, well, why are we paying to ship it to America when we can just get 
you know, the factory in China to send it to our international customers. Um, that's all well and good for Sideshow, but Hong Kong charges a lot more for shipping than what they do in the US. So I was mortified when I got the shipping notice on, on this piece um, because it is big. Um, the price was was extraordinary. Um, the carrier, uh, in this case DHL, um, they actually add the GST as part of that, so you can't actually escape that. Uh, combine that with um, a really, really shitty exchange rate, um, and you know I, I can remember back when we in the early days of the podcast when I went to San Diego um, Comic Con and the dollar peaked at a uh, dollar ten. And I remember sort of laughing and going, ha, ah, it's great buying stuff in America. It's literally like getting a 10% discount um, on anything. Um, and then, you know, the uh, exchange rate just continued to drop and has continued to drop ever since. Uh, so my package got held up in Sydney in customs and I got a phone call saying you need to pay the duty on this item because the value is over 1000 Australian dollars. Um, duty is about 21%. And that's on top of that's on top of already paying the ten percent GST. So you're being taxed twice, and in in theory, you're actually being taxed on something that's already been taxed. So um, I paid an extraordinary amount for them to release my item, uh, and I calculated that getting her to my door and into my hands, she was one thousand five hundred and fifty-two Australian dollars. Oh, so. That's that's probably just just under a thousand US dollars. Um, so I have to confess that that almost broke me, um, and not just financially. Um, it certainly it certainly didn't help. Um, it it the, financially there was a, a moment of you know buyer's remorse and and uh, an uncontrollable eye twitch for about an hour, um, but emotionally and from a collector standpoint, I honestly had to sit down and have a conversation with myself and and for the first time i found myself kind of kind of saying that i don't i just don't think i can justify um you know collecting these pieces anymore um you know i i'm my first and and foremost i'm a comic book collector and i enjoy you know filling holes in my collection um and fifteen hundred dollars fills a lot of holes in your collection um and you know it's gotten to the point now where uh, you know, if I continue buying sideshow pieces, I'm going to be incredibly selective um, and I'm unlikely to actually order directly from sideshow anymore. The only benefits to ordering from sideshow, of course, were for the exclusive pieces. Um, and I think for many of those, I, I might actually have to give those up and, and order these pieces locally and go without the X. Um, because really, you know, that is just a, an extraordinary amount of money. And look, having the piece in hand, it's amazing. And, and I, you know, I'm really glad that I have it, but it really, it really took a hit. Um, and I'm going to have to seriously justify whether I'm, I'm going to, you know, buy future pieces. It's going to have to be a character that I really, 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 really want. Um, I think, and even then I'll probably still buy local. So yes, that was that was a bit uh, disappointing. So, but look, anyway, she's she's here, she's in hand. Um, what was hilarious when this piece was first solicited, and this is actually common to many of the new sideshow pieces, is they seem to have taken this approach of almost modelling the piece on um, real life people. And so when this piece was solicited, someone said she looks like Fergie, and I went, mm. oh, now that you said that, I can't unsee it. <laughs> 
she actually does look like Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas. Uh, and then they solicited their Jean Grey and someone said, oh, she looks like, um, oh, I can't remember the girl's name. She's from the, the Bourne Identity films, Julia Stiles, I think. Um, and now I can't unsee Julia Stiles. Like it's, it's as if they've deliberately made mm. an effort to try and model these so they, they have specific looks about them. Because, of course, comic book characters generally have featureless faces. You know, you can, you can swap, you know, Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent's hair and, and they still look exactly the same. So um, I, I had a little bit of reservation and I was concerned. Um, she does come with a swap-out portrait, so... The exclusive piece is, of course, the, the famous Jim Lee um, sort of shaggy hair and the regular version is that kind of straighter hair that she's had uh, more recently in the comics. Um, being a fan of the, the, the sort of the, the scruffy hair, um, I had to go for the exclusive and, and that's why I did order from Sideshow. Um, the box is gigantic. Um, it, it, it has to house uh, a number of pieces um, because this is once displayed, it's a really big piece. Um, the actual, you know, so this is the usual sort of thing. You've got your brown shipper, you've got your art box. Art box is really nothing to write home about. Um, I don't know whether Sideshow is saving money, but uh, it's actually pretty pretty straightforward. Um, you know, I think three sides have the logo, uh, have the Rogue logo, and then the fourth, and you know, one of the bigger sides just has a photo of the statue. Like, it's, it's really unexciting. Um, yeah, I'm terribly sorry to the person who works at Sideshow and spent four years doing graphic design, but it's really not much to... Uh, to write home about. Um, so uh, look, you're looking at the usual um, two-piece split styrofoam uh, box. You carefully cut around the, you know, the, the centre and take the top off. Now, in terms of art direction, the, I did say that this is pretty extraordinary for Sideshow. Um, many of the new pieces they're releasing have a Danger Room theme to them so that they can be uh, displayed together. Um, the X-23 uh, piece you know, features a, a giant sentinel hand um, which has the same sort of kind of, I guess, colour scheme. So this piece features Rogue actually suspended in the air. Uh, so well and truly uh, away from the standard knee-up um, museum pose, she's suspended in the air mid-flight, which is pretty amazing. And how they've achieved that is uh, is some pretty cool engineering. So what we have is a danger room theme. Um, we've got a very large circular base, uh, which gives you the impression that it's the danger room floor. And uh, as part of the training exercise or whatever's going on, there's this giant mechanical arm with a, a huge saw blade on the end of it, which is, you know, obviously swings around and, you know, flyers have to, uh, you know, display their agility by avoiding it or whatever. Uh, and what Rogue has actually done is as she's sort of flown past this saw blade, she's actually grabbed hold of it with her super strength and she's actually wrenching it out of the floor and pulling the entire arm uh, out of the floor. And so um, what that does is it gives them the opportunity to connect Rogue to that that saw blade arm and therefore sort of suspend her in the air and, and look like she's flying. Uh, so really, really amazing in terms of art design. So this circular base uh, is really quite heavy and you kind of realise why it has to be heavy because it has to suspend this kind of quarter scale woman in the air. Um, beautifully done. It's really quite detailed. The, the floor actually looks cracked, like as if it was made up of um, you know large panels or tiles or something and they've actually shattered as she's wrenching the, um, I guess, the mount of this arm out of the 
out of the floor. So part of the base is already there, part of that arm is there, but then the remainder of the arm is a very, very large single piece. And what's pretty cool is the the key, I, I guess, which is the you know the square piece that you use to put into the the hole in the base. The key actually has one edge of the square cut off, so it actually helps you position it because there's only one way that it can go in, um, which is really, really helpful. And it's a really big chunk of, of kind of, you know, polystone that you have to stick into the base. So that actually went in sort of fairly easy and you kind of realize how big the statue is going to be because you've got this enormous saw blade arm sticking into the air and then you've still got to attach Rogue herself. Um, what's cool is... The, the part that Rogue is holding in her hand, the part of the saw blade that she's actually scrunched using her super strength is already attached to her hand. And on the other end of that is a very large key that goes into the head of the, of the saw blade into the side. Um, so I didn't have any problems getting uh, mine to fit, which was actually really cool. So then you've got this headless woman suspended in the air and um, it actually feels quite stable. There is a little bit of movement, like you can wobble it. Um, but uh, it actually fits together quite well. I was really quite impressed. Uh, then you can pop on one of the two portraits as uh, as it pleases you. Interestingly, her jacket is mixed media, so it's that kind of faux leather, but it's actually not removable. I can't actually, I mean, perhaps it is, but I can't actually see any way that you would get it off because of the way her arms, she's obviously got one holding a saw blade and the other's kind of sticking out um, as if she's getting her balance. So um, that's kind of permanent. She's wearing her sort of trademark belt. This is the the Jim Lee rogue. So she's in the green and yellow costume. Um, the belt is a separate piece, but it's kind of glued on in a couple of spots. So you can't move it around and reposition it. Um, I imagine if you were determined enough, you could probably, um, you know, sort of get a blade under there and, and it's probably just a spot of glue that's holding it in place. So um, she comes together quite, quite quickly. But what there are um, in addition to that, which I, I didn't realize until I was looking at the box, is where the base of the saw blade is being wrenched out of the floor, um, they've clearly given the impression that it's been held in there with a series of large bolts. And as the saw blade's been wrenched out of the floor, the bolts have, have kind of come loose and they've, the threads have been stripped and some of them are bent. Um, and the screws are all separate. There's this little line inside the styrene um, tray of, of 10 separate bolts, and you've actually got to sit there and put each one um, through the hole to, to make it look um, you know, like it's been wrenched out. There's actually little wires sticking out, and they've used proper electrical cable for that, so you can actually move them around, and because there's copper inside them, you can reposition them. So it looks all very kind of robot-y, and it, it's, it's really quite clever. Um, so the next thing, you know, you've got this uh, enormous statue in front of you. She's um, she's she's quite large, um, like you, you're talking 22 inches uh, tall, which is uh, considerable. Um, so she doesn't fit in, you know, a lot of those kind of standard um, displays. Uh, even the base is about 13 inches across, so you know, it's it's actually quite large. Now, this was actually, um, I think this is a, a Will Harbottle sculpt. Um, and uh, Will's done some pretty awesome stuff in the past. So um, what is interesting, though, is in hand, I, I was really quite surprised that the the Fergie kind of look in the promo shots isn't as obvious in hand. And I don't know how to say this in a, in a, a kind of a, a cool and hip way, but she's actually prettier than what she is in the promo shots. 
So huh. I don't know whether that's a result of just how they've painted her in the factory, but I actually think the finished portrait is better than what it is in the promo shots. So that was really, really pleasing. Like I genuinely thought I, I was, you know, um, taking the plunge with a, a Fergie statue, but it's not as dramatic um, in hand. Uh, they've actually done a really good job. So, like, just quickly going over some more of the sculpt, um, you know, as I said, whatever Sideshow's doing at the moment, it's allowing them to capture um, enormous amounts of detail that we didn't get in the early days of premium format. So it's really obvious on things like her boots. If you look at the bottom of her boots, instead of just sculpting a kind of like a flat shoe, um, they've gone through and really detailed the kind of like um, – almost like a tactical tread on the bottom of her boots and on the sides. Um, there's even like a pattern to them as if they've got a, a bit of a leather look, which is separate to the, um, I guess, the texture of her costume itself. So there's huge amounts of detail. Even things like the gloves, you can see all this little detail on there. Instead of just sculpting a very basic glove, there's lots of little kind of cool, you know, latches, almost as if it's something that Oakley, um, you know, would design. They, they often do wacky things like that so really really cool in terms of that detail um the hair i think it's it's interesting i, I really like the jim lee um portrait because you know that's that's just kind of the the mm. jim you know J jim lee just sort of somehow managed to, to capture what i think has become you know the definitive rogue um i i think it's hard to capture that look with her hair that that big kind yeah. of bushy head of hair and so they've, they've done the best they can um, in some areas, it looks really good. In others, it kind of just looks like she has these big white wriggly worms, um, you know, sticking out of her <laughs> head. Um, but, you know, I think it's about as good as they can possibly do. Um, I think this is the, the hardest part to really get looking realistic because you're, you're talking, you know, hair is obviously very fine and, and being able to capture that at this level is quite difficult. Um, so, you know, the sculpts are great. She's got a bit of a smirk on her face. In fact, both portraits almost look identical. You'd almost swear that they use the same sculpt but just change the hair. Um, that's something that a few people have mentioned on on some of these pieces that, you know, you really are getting the same face with just a different hairstyle. Um, lucky that this one works for me, that sort of confident smirk on her face as she's, you know, ripping the saw blade out um, is actually pretty cool. Now, in terms of um, the paint, uh, you know, there's really not a lot of complaint here. They, they've, they've done some beautiful weathering, particularly on her boots. Uh, like you're getting an impression that um, they're, they're, they're dirty. Uh, you know, I don't know whether the saw blade, for example, is spraying oil as it's being wrenched out of the thing. It's, it's not obvious, but you can just see that these aren't a brand new pair of boots. There's, there's actually wear to them and there's some almost like a, a dust or something on them like that. Um, they've done very well with um, the flesh tones uh, of the portraits. It's the only sort of part that's exposed is the is the head and the neck. The rest is the the green and yellow costume, which is nicely done. Um, my main worry about pieces like this are the seams where the colours meet. Where, for instance, the the green and yellow. I don't think in the past uh, on some pieces there's been enough care in the way they've done that. Um, from the front, mine is actually flawless. There's a couple on the back that I, yeah, you know, if, if could have been a bit neater, um, I would have been a, a lot happier. Um, but it, it's really nitpicky. It's really fine. Like, you know, most people wouldn't even bother um, noticing it. For those people that are interested, um, they actually have, she does have a butt crack. 
Um, there was a lot of controversy with the <laughs> first Rogue premium format statue because oh, she was solicited. Yes. She was solicited with a butt crack and the finished product didn't have a butt crack. So, you know, fanboy rage. How um, does she one, poop? That's, that's right. This one does have a hiney. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a great effort. Um, you know, I mean, in addition to that, there's, there's lots of little things that they've managed to do. Like there's that drapery, you know, the everything sort of crinkles in the right spot as if um, someone wearing like a, a tight spandex or, or some kind of, you know, leather type outfit, you know, is moving their leg a certain way, then the seams are pulling in a certain way. And I think they've, they've captured that really, really well. So, you know, I really, uh, I, I, the finished piece is, is just gorgeous. Like seeing it in the flesh, um, seeing this quarter scale figure suspended in the air, um, is really quite amazing. Uh, a lot of concern early on from people about lean. Um, polystone is just resin, which is plastic. Um, if you apply heat to it, you can actually bend it. So there was a concern that over time, Rogue would actually start to, um, you know, droop to one side. I haven't confirmed this, but somebody actually said that Rogue's right arm is actually metal. Um, and then that metal arm uh, finishes in an armature that goes inside her main body. Um, and so I'm not about to actually scratch the paint off to see if there's a metal arm under there, but um, it does actually make perfect sense because um, with that metal arm going into the saw blade, and I'm actually convinced that parts of the saw blade are metal too. I was sitting there tapping the actual blade, um, and it, it does give me some kind of you know, tinging sound that I would be inclined to think that it is actually metal as well. So possibly that's a, a contribution to the the high, you know, retail price. Um, but, you know, this is honestly, uh, it's a, a beautiful piece. They, they've really done it, um, you know, done the character justice and it's a, a great update from the, the premium format we got some time ago, which was the slippery slope that got me started. So Scotty uh, did contact me and tell me that she had gone live um, on Sideshow those many, many years ago. So the Rogue Premium format was actually my first quarter-scale statue. So uh, so there you go. So, you know, look, um, I, I can't fault the piece in hand. It, it's beautiful. I'm really impressed that Sideshow has stepped up and tried something like this. It's, it's worked really well. But on the flip side, um, wow, you know, the, the financial hit uh, to get something like this in hand, you know, does – make you question your future collecting habits so and your your life choices well that's exactly right yeah. exactly right so <laughs> uh you know look interestingly enough i've only got two pieces left with sideshow um that's x23 and green arrow uh and beyond that i actually haven't ordered anything from them um after that i anything that i'm interested in i'll try and pick up locally um or even from the the secondary market i'll start to play the long game with some of these pieces so, look, that was probably the longest Toy of the Week review uh, in history. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> She's definitely I don't even think that's the longest Ben Toy of the Week. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, oh, sorry, I'll take the longest Toy of the Week thing. in history has to be a Ben Toy of the Week. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <really. laughs> oh, look, I don't like skimping on the detail. You know, you've got to give the listeners <laughs> 
as much as you can. So no skipping. And, and, Thank you. <laughs> given the uh, the cost per minute ratio, I should probably talk oh. for about two hours on this one. So hundred percent, hundred percent. Thank you, thank you, Ben. That's great, and uh, it is a it's a quandary. You know, we're obviously very fortunate to be able to collect this stuff, but everybody's got a a line, and um, the Australian dollar could get better. That would be help us out a bit for sure. Yeah. Please invest in Australia. And in the meantime, we will take a break and uh, we'll come back with our final toy of the week. Open the jar, Grace. The powers of evil control Castle Grayskull. Oh, yeah, Dad, watch Ramman's power. I'll get us inside, He-Man. Ramman, He-Man, and Castle Grayskull, each sold separately. You have to put the castle together. Ramman, use your head. I just did. Not that way. We have a prisoner. Good. Who's the prisoner? You are, because we have the power. Oh, no. Ram Man and He-Man from the Masters of the Universe collection, each sold separately. Castle Grayskull also sold separately from Mattel. Well, we are definitely changing things up. Normally, Mr. Scotty holds the uh, position of Toy of the Week number three, but it is Eddie's turn to bring up the rear. And uh, speaking of living vicariously through my co-hosts, I am very keen to hear what Eddie's got to say about this. So, yep, take it away. Mm. Yeah, so for people who have been long time, uh, well, not super long time, but uh, listened to us over the past couple of years, uh, my two picks for uh, Toy of the Year, the last two years, have been the NECA Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, San Diego Comic-Con sets, uh, the first being uh, the set based on the 80s cartoon. And then the huge shocker, because it was something that we thought uh, wouldn't happen and just a whole rights thing, uh, was the seven-inch figures based on the 90s uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. And so the moment we got those uh, as figures in plastic form, uh, rumors uh, that really I don't think there was much leakage uh, as much as sort of fan wanton demand uh was that the next year's set were going to be the villains so uh shredder foot soldiers and that type of thing uh and this uh was only heightened by the one quarter scale uh versions of these figures coming out over the past year uh and then it was announced that not only were we getting uh shredder and the foot soldiers much as fans had theorized but we were also going to be getting Splinter as well, who is actually yet to receive a one-quarter scale figure. Uh, so this was a very nice surprise, one that we're not expecting uh, at all. And I was excited because, I mean, as much as I love those turtles from last year, you kind of want some other characters to go in there with him. So uh, this easily became uh, my top want from all the san diego comic-con exclusives uh unlike last year's set though it wasn't as much of a concern or worry or pain to track down uh and which is weird because i think it was probably easier to get the turtles uh with the turtles at least uh they did eventually see a retail release as an exclusive 
uh, at GameStop in the US and it also uh, Australian retailers with NECA license were able to get them uh, in here. Now, they didn't come with as many accessories, uh, but I feel like that uh, meant the collectors weren't as necessarily all panicked uh, to get their hands on this set. I think a lot of people are waiting to see whether you can get Shredder and the Foot Soldiers and Splinter as exclusives again, uh, which even I would be happy about because it means I could build up my Foot Soldier army. Uh, but I managed to track down the set through a retailer here in Australia uh, where they generally get things in uh, from San Diego. So I think someone from the store actually goes to San Diego itself and picks up uh, a lot of things uh, while they're there to resell uh, through their sort of little local shop. Uh, but nevertheless, I was able to pick it up uh, at roughly the same cost that I picked up the other set last year. Uh, it was a tiny bit more expensive, but that other set I had to travel uh, across the state to grab, if you remember my review of that one. So uh, I figured without the day of travel, uh, it works out to sort of break even spending that little bit extra. So I spent just over $300 uh, on this set. Uh, it comes in a long uh, cardboard uh, box. Unfortunately, uh, there's no real sort of in-jokes like they did with the VHS box last year. This is just the headband of the foot soldier on green. Same on the back with a slip case that you slide off. And then they've got the figures uh, photographed on the back uh, in scenes from the movie. Um, but the main superstars are the figures uh, themselves. So uh, the first figure is Splinter, and he just looks fantastic. He looks like he's uh, one of the Jim Henson's puppets, uh, and they've just sort of taken a scan off that and shrunk him down. Uh, and particularly I was impressed with this guy because unlike the turtles, uh, he was a sort of furry Muppet puppet. So, uh, sculpting the fur could always lead to getting, uh, some strong differences, but, uh, really hasn't come through here with him. Probably the thickest point that doesn't look as realistic is his sort of little chin hair goatee, uh, that comes out, but. Uh, from certain angles, it does look really great. Uh, the amount of different brown shading they've got in the coloring is just absolutely fantastic. And of course, as accurate as these guys are, he does have one of his ears uh, is battle damaged and chopped off, which, uh, uh, of course, you had to have on the movie Splinter. He has soft goods for his cloaks, which is very common with a splinter uh, figure, uh, but they have even dirtied up his cloak, uh, particularly uh, on the bottom and the arm hems itself where it's been dragging through the sewer or he's been rubbing it in on things. Uh, he does have a lot of holes uh, in his uh, jacket where it's sort of been ripped and torn over the years and just really looks like uh, he's a man who's been living in his dressing gown for ages. There's even sort of yellow stains uh, all across it, and it just really pops. It's sort of the quality uh, of textiles you'd be uh, looking to find uh, in, say, a Hot Toy uh, figure. It's that great uh, 
uh, of detailing and uh, sort of hemming. Probably the only thing that would make you realize that it's not a hot toy piece of clothing is one, obviously, the size and the seams are a tiny bit thicker uh, than would be done by hot toys. But by most toy company standards, uh, it's still a very thin seam uh, to make sure that it's not bulking up uh, too much. Uh, and then he's got sort of these wonderful thin legs like he has and a bendable uh, rubber tail. Uh, now, he does have a little bit of trouble standing up because he really doesn't have that much room on his feet uh, at all. Uh, you, but he is sculpted in a way you can actually get him uh, kind of flat-footed, uh, which... Uh, He's kind of got these toe articulation pieces that he'd generally sort of be standing up on uh, as he would naturally look in the movie, but you can sort of flatten that out a bit at the ankle and lower his toe articulations down. It gives you a much flatter foot uh, that you can use for posing him upright. And that does help, even though it's not sort of film accurate that his feet went like that. Uh, it is a way of getting him to stand rather than having only a tiny amount of surface area uh, for him to stand on. He is fully articulated. He does have sort of a ball joint in the waist. He's got ball jointed shoulders. Uh, he's got swivels at the wrist. Uh, he's got multiple joints uh, down his legs to get that sort of naturalistic rat leg uh, piece going that I was talking about uh, earlier. Uh, now, the kimono does hinder it a little bit. It is very tight on him, particularly in the arms. You do want to be careful posing his arms around uh, just because you're unsure how they sort of come out of the packet um, and because you can't see it underneath the kimono. Uh, he also does have some sharp fur sculpted underneath in his arms where it would come to sort of tufts on his shoulders, so you don't want to be doing much ripping uh, of the kimono, poking them in there. Uh, but it's fine as long as you're careful. But uh, I think if you're spending big money on a NECA uh, set, you obviously want to be very careful the first time you're posing and getting used to the joint tolerances. Uh, so the next figures I'll look at uh, is actually two, but they're uh, identical, is the foot soldier. So this is the movie version of the foot soldier where it's basically uh, a guy in a full-on uh, gimp ninja suit. Uh, he's basically wearing pajamas, uh, has a mask on with some breathing holes and kind of these bug-like eyes, a headband with the foot symbol. He's got some chainmail gauntlets on and that's pretty much it. You've got your foot soldier uh, I do like the gauntlets are actually separate pieces to the arm sculpt, so you can swivel the chainmail uh, of the gauntlet uh, around on the forearm as well as he's got sort of armor plating on the upper parts of his palm. Uh, the neck joint is actually double-jointed, so you get a huge range of movement uh, on the head for posing. Uh, he's pretty much your standard ultimate necker articulation so ball joint in the waist shoulders double joints at the elbows double joints at the knees uh joints and swivels uh in the ankles so you can get some very cool ninja posing going once again you do want to be very careful uh as you're posing him around for the first time being a necker figure uh, just to make sure that the tolerances are right 
there is some great overlapping of sort of a soft rubber bodysuit on his ninja pajamas to hide articulation points underneath in the shoulders and the upper thighs. And he's got kind of this overlapping piece of realistic material uh, that sinks in over the belt uh, to give that uh, a very realistic uh, nature, natural way of looking. Now, I have heard of some people having trouble with the seams on his belt uh, breaking. So the idea of giving him this sort of stretchy real material uh, belt is that you can slide weapons into his belt. Uh, now it seems that some of the weapons are a little bit thicker and it can end up breaking the belt off as pressure is put on the seams here. So I actually haven't put any weapons in there. I just kind of like the look of them looking that sort of naturalistic, uh, style. And really there's not too many scenes, uh, in the movie itself where the foot soldiers have weapons in their belt. So, uh, if you really want to, you can, I would, uh, strongly recommend being careful of putting too much pressure, uh, on the belt seam. Uh, if it comes off, it doesn't really affect the figure too much apart from losing that naturalistic, uh, look of the material. There is a sculpted and, uh, colored in belts directly underneath it. Uh, but for me, myself, I'm, uh, not going to risk it at all. Now, the back of the red headband on the foot soldier is actually removable, and you get two different types of headband, one that's kind of hanging down and one that's blowing in the wind. Uh, so you can sort of swap that around and give your foot soldiers different looks uh, so that it doesn't look like it's exactly the same figure that you have kind of just uh, standing there upright. Uh, now, Pretty much the whole base of the foot soldier figure is what's used for the shredder figure, which is the last of the four uh, that I'm going to talk about. Now, when these guys were being released in the one quarter scale, uh, this was actually something I found quite funny. It was a huge amount of fans really kicked up and complained that uh, shredder and the foot soldiers were uh, getting the exact same buck reuse uh, and people thought that it was NECA cheaping out. But if you actually go and watch the movie, the Shredder outfit is just the foot soldiers outfit in a different color. So uh, it really makes no sense for NECA to sculpt a whole new buck uh, when it literally is the same buck. The only difference with Shredder is that he obviously has the spiked armor pieces uh, that are attached to it. And for some reason, the 1990s movie decided that rather than it be a black material, uh, he should be in sort of a sparkly maroon material uh, that looks like uh, something one of the Golden Girls uh, would be wearing as they're eating <laughs> cheesecake after a bad dream. Uh, it always stands out as both one of the most threatening uh, suits of a 90s film villain as well as one of the least threatening suits. Uh, once you were to take those spikes off, he's uh, in uh, 90s grandma attire. But uh, they do a wonderful job uh, replicating this. There's actually pieces of glitter mixed into his red suit part of the plastic, and he's actually got some very fine... Uh, blue wash paint 
uh, over his suit that catches the light and gives it that sort of almost holographic um, silky kind of look to the design. And it is really fantastic. It really does highlight how odd uh, the costume design is for the movie, but uh, it's a hundred percent replicated in plastic form here similar to the foot soldiers the armor pieces that he has the spikes coming off of are separate rubber pieces that go around the buck uh, of the figure the only pieces that are solidly glued on are his shoulder uh, prongs uh, and it looks like if you look closely you can actually see the seam in the shoulder piece uh, of the rubber bodysuit where they would have swapped it out in the tooling for just the basic foot soldier or the shredder one uh, with the prongs now his head sculpt is absolutely brilliant um the actor will have to forgive me i don't think too many people will be able to tell you uh the actor who played shredder's name uh off the top of their head uh but they've done a brilliant job uh with his likeness i assume they must have had to have tracked him down and get his likeness rights because you can uh, actually remove his faceplate and there is the scarred face underneath it. The helmet has that sort of beautiful woven basket look that the movie Shredder has, uh, and then these sharp metallic pieces uh, placed around the top. And what's even brilliant is that the face mask that Shredder has, it isn't in the inside parts where it goes to sort of black it isn't just a black piece that's in there. It's actually very tiny wires uh, that are linked in to create a mesh, and that's how it was in the movie. Uh, it's a really fine detail. It's something that they really didn't need to do in the figure, or they could have uh, kind of just sculpted little markings in there for the wire and just painted the straight plastic black, but they actually have a really fine mesh running on the inside uh, of the mask to give it that beautiful movie uh, realism that's nice detail uh, yeah um and particularly when you have him pointed up with certain pieces of the light kind of catching in uh on his face it really looks um like the actual helmet straight from the movie one of the coolest pieces for him that they gave included with him for his costume is there is a point early on in the movie is his appearance where he has just this completely ridiculous oversized uh 80s uh shiny cape that looks like something else that the golden girls uh would wear probably be arthur because it's much taller than he actually is it sort of drapes along the ground and it's overly padded so they have also overly padded the inside of it with sort of this soft material that you'd wrap a nashy pear or something in so that it doesn't really catch too much on his prongs and they're protected and aren't being sort of bent so crushed uh, on the inside of his cape, which is really nice. And the thing that I found the most funny was that it has a little clip. So you wrap it kind of underneath his helm and then you clip it in underneath his chin and the clip they've gone with is pretty much what you would find on a bra strap, uh, which I thought was funny because I was just picturing um, all these geeks trying to unhook uh, the bra strap to get <laughs> his cape uh, off him. So I don't know if uh, Randy over at Necker's uh, <laughs> torturing certain people or there's going to be some very impressed partners out there 
when they realized that uh, their nerdy boyfriend has quickly now figured out how to do this and it was because of a Ninja Turtle uh, figure. Now, in terms of accessories, uh, this set does come with a bucket load. Uh, now, if these guys do see a exclusive release at, say, GameStop, we probably will be missing some of these accessories, similar to the Ninja Turtles. I would be assuming that it would be the box that Splinter comes with uh, because in the film he's standing on a box as he's chained to a chain link fence. You do get the uh, chain pieces that I'll talk about in a sec as well as the box that uh, he stands on, which I'm saying in quotation marks because uh, while it is just a generic wooden box, it does have a shipping label on it, and uh, the shipping label for this is actually for uh, NECA toys from uh, the date that the movie uh, came out from uh, printed on the label. So uh, it's a little bit of an in-joke. I, I kind of like when NECA, NECA does this. Uh, they'll throw a little nod to themselves, or this could work in any other um, diorama that you might have that it's a box of action figures. Uh, coming in or moving on the side. So I would assume this would be uh, one of the exclusive pieces. The other thing, if I had to guess uh, for an exclusive piece, is uh, they do have a weapons rack here for the foot soldiers uh, to place some of the longer weapons on. Uh, there's more positions on the weapons rack than you actually get long enough weapons to rest across it, which gives me hope that we are going to see uh, more releases of the movie Foot Soldiers, so you could build extra weapons and have a spot uh, to store them. Uh, so, in terms of, uh, oh, sorry, I'll jump back a sec because I forgot to talk about Splinter's chains before I move off Splinter. Uh, so, it is just a classic metal chain that connects to uh, some uh, sort of clasps. Now, the clasps work pretty much exactly how a chain class would work. It's got a joint uh, at one point. It opens up. You hook that around the arm, and then you close it over, and there's a peg piece that slides in there and connects over the top. So it's 100% working uh, kind of arm-grabbing chain pieces here, which is uh, fantastic. And you can actually take the chain out so it's that much smaller piece to needle through things. So if you do have a chain-link fence, such as the one that came with the McFarlane, a 24 Jack Bauer figure. You can actually chain Splinter up to a fence like was done uh, in the movie. Uh, so jumping back to the foot soldiers, they have this uh, beautiful uh, black weapons rack uh, and you get lots of weapons that uh, you can display your foot soldiers with. Uh, so there's a sword, there's a bow staff. Uh, probably my favorite is the Hildebrand a sort of axe-looking weapon that they use to smash up the floor uh, in April's antique store. Uh, there's a metallic nunchuck that has studs in it uh, from the famous scene where Mikey says, oh, a fella chucker, eh, uh, for one of the foot soldiers. There's another set of nunchucks that's just straight up black, and it has a wire uh, band rather than a chain band. So the fellow chucker nunchucks have a very tiny chain that link the two. Uh, now, this is another point where I've heard in other people's feedback of getting this that uh, it's 
actually broken. And I believe it's because the top, the sort of where the plastic uh, hooks into the chain is so thin. Uh, it's NECA haven't really allowed the chain to be loose at the connecting points between the plastic and the metal. They've actually glued the metal piece down to the top of the nunchuck, even though there is a plastic uh, scoop there at the top. So if you were trying to think that, oh, maybe it's just a little bit of paint that stuck this chain on and tried to pull it or move that around, that's probably going to break the plastic there. So um, be careful uh, with the metallic nunchucks if you've got it, that you're not actually breaking the plastic to move it rather than uh, just fondling it between your fingers. Uh, but the other set of nunchucks, instead of having a chain, they just have a black strip of wire and the nunchucks are just plain black around. And I haven't had a chance to go back and watch, but I believe these are the nunchucks that Shredder uses to hold, uh, uh, Splinter uses, sorry, to hold Shredder over the side of the building uh, at the end there. So you can actually sort of bend it around his spike weapon to hold it uh, there in place. Uh, you also have for the foot soldiers a Psy, a Tonfa, and I th and also uh, it has, as I mentioned earlier, the uh, swappable bands uh, for the head. Uh, now, Shredder comes with the weird weapon that's kind of like a bow staff uh, <laughs> with spikes at uh, either end that he sort of uses against the turtles uh, in a scene that's quite weird because he's really just pacing back and forth on top of a rooftop and waiting for them to come uh, and attack him. Uh, the really nice inclusion with him, though, is that he comes with a tiny sheath knife that uh, is actually used. Uh, he sort of hides it on his back, and as he's hanging over the roof at the end of the movie, he pulls it out and takes a swipe at Splinter, and that's where Splinter drops him in the garbage truck. So uh, it's a real blink-and-you-miss-it uh, weapon in the film, but uh, they've included it here in the set. Uh, now, all the figures except of the uh, Foot Soldier and uh, Shredder, and not Splinter, unfortunately, come with multiple hands. So you've got fisted hands, you've got open hands for weapons, and you've got closed uh, fists as well so uh, it really is an impressive set it really is absolutely amazing the sculpt and detail work that are used on these guys like they are in a lot of ways kind of shrunk down hot toys uh, so I don't regret the large price tag that I spent to get these guys uh, at all uh, they are pretty much like if you were thinking I would love to have an action figure based on this movie, uh, I would be hard-pressed to think of a way uh, that you could go better without it just being like, oh, I want every single thing that was ever used in the movie uh, <laughs> included with this figure. Like yeah. within reason, uh, there's really nothing more uh, you could do to have these figures being great. The only thing is I found that I wasn't as excited uh as I was with the set from last year. And really that's just down to me in that obviously the turtles are the more iconic part and that's going to uh, bring out more nostalgia in me. And the fact that with those turtles, we didn't have any idea that they were coming out or that it could be done or that uh, license uh, could be brokered. 
so there was a level of excitement of like, wow, we never thought we'd get these. Whereas with these figures, we've had a year of the NECA Turtles fans going like, oh, I, I, I bet dollars to donuts that this is going to be the set. This is going to be the set. This is going to be the set. And apart from it having Splinter in it, there really wasn't much of a surprise. Uh, so that that is a little bit disappointing. But if I take that level of just my expectation emotion out of it, it is a fantastic set. And it's definitely going to be in my consideration for the toy of the year. Uh, so I, I really do have to give this set uh, 10 dollies uh, wow. because nice. I, I really don't have uh, a complaint here. If I did, it would be a very minor nit- nitpick of like, oh, it, it might break just because of NECA's reputation, but my figure hasn't broken or uh, <laughs> anything like that. So really in terms of what I have in hand and sort of the art of making an action figure, these guys are just fantastic. So yeah, $10. That's uh, that's absolutely cool. epic. Yeah. I love the commitment NECA has to this license. They, they really are doing, you know, some great fan service. Uh, and, and based on your Dolly rating is, uh, this is the first time we've had 30 out of 30. Oh, possibly. Three 10 out of 10 dolly scores. Wow, it's almost as if we're getting this stuff for free. <laughs> yeah, that we're definitely not. <laughs> can tell you I'm not, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I actually forgot to tell the um, – so uh, a couple of weeks back I mentioned my story about the Nintendo Switch that I accidentally got sent in the mail. Uh, so I was waiting for the box of these figures to arrive and I got a message from the seller saying, Hey, I needed to contact you. I've realized that I've made a mistake and I've actually sent your box, uh, to someone else. So when the box that, uh, (laughs) I've sent you arrives, can you open it up, take a picture and, uh, I'll know, uh, potentially where I've gone wrong and then get that to the proper person as well as I'll do my absolute best to get the set that you've ordered uh, to you as quickly as possible. And I was sort of thinking, oh, is this going to be revenge for me? Uh, not uh, for getting that Nintendo Switch <laughs> sent through and run through. So I was a bit cautious, but the store that I ordered it from, our Melbourne store, even though I had it uh, shipped just because I'm lazy and have a lot going on, <laughs> uh, but they are fairly close to my work and I had an early finish that day. So it's like, oh, you know what? I could still pick that up, take it to work uh, and drop that off at them so that they can get it to whoever set it is that I've been sent. Um, and maybe hopefully they've got my set back in. I can just pick it up that day. Uh, run through so i go down to the post office early in the morning just as it opens collect collect the box but because i've got an early start i just get straight into work have a little bit of time so i open it up just to see what was in there and i open it up and it's what i've ordered uh it was my box set so i was like actually hey i know you sent me the thing but uh, this is actually 100 percent what i ordered like it's that one is like, oh, good. Sorry, it must have been somewhere else that I've uh, scratched up this label thing. Sorry to scare It's like, yep, yep, that's all good. Until then I realized I've got an open box with this expensive figure set uh, that doesn't sort of fit anywhere in my uh, storage at work. So uh, I ended up having to drag this thing 
uh, around with me all day and I had rehearsals oh after work. So I had to <laughs> drag it through to my theater and all back through. And this thing uh, it has been all over Victoria before I got it home. Whereas uh, if I had known that it was my order straight uh, that had come through, I could have just picked it up that day and dropped mm. it uh, at home quite easily. But uh, it all worked out well in the end. So I was, I was happy with that. Nice work. Very good. Nice work. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Eddie. And uh, look, before we finish off the show, um, we just want to let you know that if you'd like to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions on future episodes, uh, feel free to email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com. And, uh, yeah, you will find us on the various social media platforms. Go and have a look for Action Figure Blues. And, uh, yeah, reach out to us. That brings us to the end. Gentlemen, we're done. Yay. <laughs> Bedtime. 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 All right. Bedtime. Thank you very much for listening, one and all, and yes. uh, we'll catch you next time. Good journey. Good night, nerds. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. Our theme music is by Robert Crandall. Our ad music is by Scott Holmes. The AFB logo is created by Nath Stones. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please check out our sponsors like Max Comics and Stuff, Loot Crate, Audible, and Gamefly. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at ActionFigureBlues, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ActionFigureBlues. Thanks for listening.